Hi, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. For months, we take time to prepare and educate ourselves on this new adventure of motherhood. But as we all know, once the baby is born, we're still left with so many questions and need all the help we can get. Women really should have a sense of empowerment as they begin to experience these life-changing moments. And no one mother has it all figured out. However, the more informed we are, the better decisions we can make that will positively affect us and our family. And that's what this podcast is about. Sharing honest, raw, and real conversations about motherhood, life, and all of the crazy, messy, beautiful in-betweens. To hopefully educate, empower, and support the next mother on her motherhood journey. So sit back and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. I have a very special guest. This is Jenny Elliott. Jenny is a career mom to a four-year-old son, has been married to her husband for eight years, and has had a career in corporate America at a Fortune 100 company for over a decade. After Jenny had her son, she was so unprepared for the identity crisis she experienced when she returned to work. And it was that experience that led her to create her own podcast called The Career Mom where she has conversations with working moms about the joys and challenges of raising children while juggling a career. And boy, is that a challenge. Jenny's mission is to help women navigate the identity shift of working motherhood to be a great mom with a fulfilling career. Jenny, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I am so great. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So tell, why don't you tell my listeners a little bit more about you, anything you want to share, and then dive into your motherhood journey before we talk about Career Mom podcast. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Minnesota. I now live in Iowa. So I am a Midwestern girl. I haven't lived in the state of Minnesota since college. And I think that's kind of where my journey starts because I never imagined that I would be, you know, living six hours plus away from my family, but that's where my college and career took me. And as you said, I've been working for almost 13 years in corporate America in accounting and finance. I met my husband through the internship program in our company, and we've both been with the same company ever since, which is a little unique of a a career path. But yeah, and then I had my son shortly after I turned 30, and it just kind of felt like the next thing to do. And (laughs) it was that experience that made me realize, you know, how much my career meant to me before that. And I hadn't really thought about that. And it was my career that kind of separated me away from my family. And that was obviously a really hard thing to, you know, kind of go through that transition into motherhood without that quote unquote village. And yeah, that just was a really hard time. Outside of that though, I enjoy traveling. So these past couple of years of COVID have been really, really hard. That's kind of how my husband and I reconnect and something that we both share a passion for. So we've really missed that, but I love being a mom. My four-year-old son keeps me so busy. He is high energy and all boy, which was another whole story of what I was unprepared for. And any free time that I have after that, I am now putting into my podcast career mom, which has been such a a journey and a fulfilling kind of passion project that when I started it, I thought, you know, nobody but my mom would listen to. And here we are almost 
two and a half years after I started it. And it's the best thing that's happened. It's connected me to a lot of really strong career women like yourself. And it's really just provided me a lot of validation that I'm not alone in this struggle. And there's so much that women need to hear around being working moms and especially in the corporate sector where there's not a lot of flexibility. And then, you know, everything that's happened with COVID too, I think has just really shown that, you know, it feels like working moms aren't valued. And so I, I like bringing a voice to that. A lot of the times there's, you know, not solutions that I can offer people, but just, Hey, I'm going through this too. Here's some validation. Like we're in this together. And that's just been really huge for me personally on my motherhood journey to kind of just know that I'm I'm not alone in this. You and I have so many similar parallels. And it's funny when I have guests on that we somewhat created a relationship with from an online standpoint. Mm-hmm. I never remember like, how did we meet? And I don't remember how we met, but we do share a lot of just similar things. And I had my son, I was 34 thinking waiting was the right thing to do. My husband and I had dated and been together five years. So similar to you were married, you know, we thought we had built this foundation and then yes, my son came and it just slammed me into a wall and I was completely unprepared. Didn't know how to tell my employer that I needed a flexible schedule. I was a VP at the time and I had felt such tremendous pressure to kind of get back, get back. And I remember my whole maternity leave, just hearing in my ear, you're going to come back, right? You're going to come back. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And yep, yep. And everything's going to be good. And then I had postpartum and, you know, besides the normal hormonal things that came with it, I had separation anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, I had anxiety about going out with him in public and I was breastfeeding and the things that nobody tells you about and that identity, which I know we're talking that identity crisis of what happened, right? Because similar to you, my career was everything to me up until that point. I was very ambitious. I mean, I, I still am, although it took me, I think my son will be four probably for like two or three years. Really, it's just been this last year that I'm more focused. I was Mm -hmm. lost. I didn't know what I was going to do next. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I separated from that employer that I was with for almost seven years that had built so much of my identity as being a VP, but they just, I just realized how toxic the environment was. And after having a child, I wanted to be home. I didn't want to work till six and being at 7am, just everything changed and no one tells you that. So it's awesome to hear someone like you putting out there for career moms to have that space, which is why I also created mine. Mine is more broad. I just wanted moms to share their story on whatever level that was, because I had something to say and I wanted other mothers to have something to say and to put these kind of stories out there to your point so that another mother doesn't feel alone or doesn't feel like, am I the only one going through this, you know, Yeah. yeah. or is anyone else going to understand? So we have a lot and then to traveling and, you know, my husband and I were talking and I'm like, gosh, I'm like, we really did connect on our travels. And when I say travels, mm-hmm. not like a three or four day weekend, I mean, like, we would travel for weeks at a time or whatever yep. it was. I can see, not that we're not connected, but I could see how much the traveling did. So talk a little bit about that because I, I always love diving into the relationship aspect because I feel like it's such a pivotal thing, especially if we're a married couple, we're raising this child. I know for me, it, that was another, another shift in our marriage because you don't know how you're going to parent until you parent. 
right? Yeah. And although my husband and I had the sh- same values and the same this and this on a lot of things, we were very different in a lot of things as well. So talk to me about that, that same, that identity crisis you experienced with your career. Did you also have this identity shift or this shift in your marriage where you and your husband are trying to figure out, you know, I know for my husband, he's like, what do I do? Like, what's my role? You know, cause I came yeah. in and I was like, it's going to be this, this, and him trying to deal with my anxiety and help me deal with it. So tell me a little bit about that. And if you experienced that. What I always say about the the career shift and, you know, being unprepared for it from the moment you find out you're pregnant, you're like, okay, what do I not eat? What do I eat? How do I be healthy? Like what level of exercise can I do? So right from the get go, you're preparing for the pregnancy and then you prepare a birth plan and you prepare to breastfeed and then you like prepare to sleep train or, you know, do things along that line. And so it's like all of this stuff, but then once the baby comes, it's like, okay, here, you know, and I felt that with my career too. I just thought, you know, like you said, are you going to come back? Are you going to come back? I thought the hardest decision point was going to be like, okay, yes, I am going to come back. And I knew I was going to do that all along. Like I knew that I wanted to return in some way to the workplace. And I think it's kind of like pregnancy is, is almost like an accessory for some of us. And that's kind of how I thought of it. Like, okay, I can still, you know, for the most part, have a normal life while I'm pregnant. And then I'll just like do the same things, but they'll just be this cute little baby. (laughs) And that's not how it works. And so I kind of thought our relationship would be the same. Like we didn't do any preparation. We didn't think through, you know, who's going to get up, who's going to, you know, change the diapers, who's going to do daycare drop off. You know, those are things that I really wish that we would have hashed out before we were sleep deprived and before yeah. we were stressed and um, frustrated with each other at your wits yeah. end. Are you, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a level two of when you are a high achieving woman and you have been fed this notion your entire life that you can do it all that carries into motherhood, whether you truly believe women should be doing it all, whether you, you know, have control type a whatever. I just think if I look back to all of the messaging that I got that I fed into my career It was, you can do anything you put your mind to, you can achieve, you're successful, you can do it all. So I was thinking, of course I can have this career and this baby and a great marriage. Like I can do it. I know I can. And it was almost like- And by yourself, right? Right, exactly. Don't outsource, don't have, no one tells you that the village that you need and all that stuff. You're like, yep, I can do it all by myself. Right. Right. So I definitely had that mindset. And then I had a very, I don't want to say unhealthy because I think everybody has the same view of like, you know, breast is best and I'm going to breastfeed. And I did all of this, you know, I listened to podcasts on how to breastfeed successfully and all of this stuff. And I didn't have any type of postpartum, like depression or anxiety. I just had the normal stress, 
and everything. So for those women that went through that on top of it, I lit, I can't even imagine because I felt so stressed, so crazy. And then fixated on breastfeeding, I think is another way of, okay, the gold standard is a year. So I need to do that. I can do it. And it's going to be me, uh, you know, and, and that biologically has to be you. But then that I think just fed into this whole notion of, I wasn't even letting my husband help me, you know, it was okay. Oh my God, I'm exhausted. You just got home from work. Here's the baby. And the baby makes one peep and it's like, oh, fine. I'll just, I'll take it back. I'll take them back. Like it's, I'll just do it. And that's so unhealthy. And I think it really wasn't fair to my husband either. You know, I was sending him the message of you don't know what you're doing. I do everything better and didn't allow him time to, you know, bond with the baby or build confidence as a parent. Like he didn't know what he was doing either. And so I look back on those first like six months and there's so much that I would do different and so much that I just wasn't thinking clearly. And, and my instinct was to to just do it all and not ask for help. And so then it was like, once I kind of climbed out of that and took a step back and and some of that happened after I returned to work because I was able to separate from the home and kind of, you know, get some, some headspace. It took a long time to just see like, how did I get here? And that was only six months. It's crazy, but yes, I mean, long answer to your question, our relationship definitely flip-flopped that whole first year I feel like we were both figuring ourselves out as parents and I had a lot of just kind of unspoken resentment because I was doing it myself and I expected my husband to know that I was feeling this way but then anytime he would offer help I would just shut it down so yeah yeah no I'm with you lots of lessons learned the resentment thing yeah for me I resented the fact that he could do things that I couldn't do. And that carried from that stemmed even from pregnancy, because I think he had like a bachelor party to go to or something. And I remember just being so angry. And then I had to like calm myself down and be like, okay, like you're care, you know, and, or other things like there'd be a concert and, you know, let's say it was going to be standing up. It was an outside concert. And I was like, I don't know, I think six or seven months pregnant. I'm like, "Eh, do I really want to be standing for like four or five hours? I'm pregnant. So he went, so he got to do all these fun things. And I was resenting that. And then it carried into, to your point, having the baby, the breastfeeding, I was obsessed. And I was like, I have to do it. I have to do it. I have to do it. And the pumping and the certain things still that he was able to do. And that for me, I had to kind of let go of, because I also felt like men don't have that guilt that we have. And even though he wasn't not allowing me to do these things, especially after I had the baby, I just, I was suffering from the separation anxiety. So I didn't Mm want to leave my son for long periods and the breastfeed, all these things. And I'm like, how does he not have guilt for leaving our son for like hours on end? And how is he not worried about the same things that I'm worried about? And how is he not thinking about this? And that just kind of built and built and built. And I was so thankful that I'm very introspective. So I was kind of able to feel it and kind of just have a conversation with my husband and be like, look, I think this is what's going on right now. Like, I'm very upset that you get to do this. I know you're not like holding me hostage, but I'm dealing with some things right now. And it's been a lot of that. And even still four years in still trying to figure out, 
I would say to anyone listening, and you tell me if, if, if I'm wrong or what you would advise, I would have gone to therapy if I could change it again. I think I would have gone to therapy because again, although my husband and I had built a foundation and been together, we enjoy each other's company. We have fun. This little human that comes into our lives just turned everything upside down on so many different levels. I would have liked to have gone to therapy and kind of just dealt with something on, on that level or some parenting class, or maybe, I don't even know if that exists, that kind of really truly tries to prepare you and says, to your point, who's going to do the drop-off? Who's going to do this? Have you guys discussed that? Because like you said, you discuss pregnancy, you discuss your birth plan, and then it ends. Mm -hmm. You're not discussing who's going to do the drop-off? Who's going to do the pickup? Who's going to do all of these things? What does it look like if this happens? What does it look like that? Are, are we going to, you know, my husband didn't want to feed our son meat for a long time. And I got to a point that I was like, look, if I'm going to make chicken for the family, like then he's going to have chicken. I know that's minor, but the, yeah. it was strong for him. You know, it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. So those kind of things. So I would, if I could do it again, I, I would have said like, if we could have taken like like a parenting 101, but like to dive deep, almost like a therapy. Yeah. Well, and think about the classes that you do take. It's a birthing class, you know, exactly. and everybody drags their husband and then they're like, okay, this is, you know, they see their first image of a birth yes. and then they they block the rest of it out. <laughs> but yeah, therapy. I know there are parent prep classes. I've seen, I've seen those. I think that would have been helpful. I learned through starting my podcast that there is, it's called the, I think it's men's Excel and it's a therapist that's based out of San Diego that does male postpartum depression and stuff like that. But he has a course that's like a dad prep class. And so it kind of gets those men in the headspace of here's what life with a baby is like, here's what you can expect. Here's some things that you could implement with your partner for communication and everything. I think whether it's therapy or classes or just having open conversation, becoming a parent with my husband has forced us to learn how to communicate even more than when we were married, you know, without the child. And so that's an, I mean, we're, we're constantly working on that. And I think COVID was another long exercise in that communication. And now we at least both know, I mean, we communicate in completely different ways as well, like complete opposite methods, but he knows now what responses I give when I'm frustrated or mm -hmm. how to kind of read what's going on. And then he'll force me to lay it out there. Like, I can't help you if I don't know. Yeah. And then I can't blame him for not doing something if I'm not telling him. Yeah. And part of the thing for me is like, you know, I've got so much stuff going on in my head that, you know, the mental load of motherhood is a whole nother topic I could yeah. talk about for hours. But part of that for me is if I need things out of my head or things for him to do, I just have to accept that the way he operates is that I'm going to have to remind him a few times, or I'm going to have to write it down. Like, I can't just in passing say, Hey, do all of these things this weekend. Like, that's just not how it works. And so I've also separated myself from, if I have to remind him a few times, like I'm not nagging. That's just how it works. Biologically. I think <laughs> women 
can store more and accomplish more <laughs> in a day as it's mom so true. versus yeah. dads. But some of it is like, I need to give him the space to operate in the way that he does. And so yeah. if that's caring less about the stuff around the house, that's fine. But then if I care, I need to tell him. And, and then even, I mean, sometimes it's like, you need to do this now because it's <laughs> really bothering me. Not like in the next two hours, like yes. now, please. So that just communication is, yeah. is just huge. And again, if you're doing it before the baby's here, it's so much easier because from the second that kids arrives, you're operating on a, a stress level and a hormone level that's drastically different than the day before. And then you throw in, like you get a week in and you're already sleep deprived and that's just not a good space to have those types of conversations. But just the other thing that it took me a long time as well, kind of to your point that I think men just naturally don't carry the guilt is I used to get so resentful that he could just go to work. And I'm like, you go to work and you just go to work and you can focus on your task and you get all this stuff done. And I'm like, I'm going to work and I'm worried that daycare is going to call and I'm going to have to figure out how to leave. And I'm pumping twice a day and I'm not getting any work done and I don't yep. fit in my work pants. And there's all this other stuff. Like I'm trying to remember what day I scheduled the doctor's appointment for. And there's all this other stuff going on that I'm bringing into the workplace. Yeah. Or what if your child had a crazy morning? Who's dealing with that? Who's dealing right. with the ramifications if your toddler? I know for me, how many mornings we had, I'd have to go into work. Like my toddler wasn't just screaming for me to drop him off at daycare. And now my mom guilt sets in. I'm unhappy because yeah. I don't like to see. They don't deal with that. My husband yeah. has no problem being like, okay, I'll see you. And if he's crying, okay, he'll be fine. You know? Yeah. And, and I think some of that too, I have worked really hard on challenging a lot of my mom guilt. Like, is it really something to feel guilty for? Because yes, we have so many crazy mornings and it's hectic, but I know that he trusts his daycare teachers and providers. And I know I've gotten messages from them over and over, or we've left him with grandma where it's like, he's screaming bloody murder. And I know in five minutes, he's going to be fine. He's yep. with all his friends. And so I think as, as women and as career moms, some of the stuff that we bring and we carry with us, we could actually kind of learn from the career dads. Is it really worth carrying that around all day? Sure. And I think some of it is mindset. And that was a lot of what I figured out in, in that first year of motherhood. And, and I'll give kind of the example of what really solidified that for me of that a lot of what I was thinking and feeling about myself was just negative messages that I was saying nobody else was. So when my son was six months, I thought that was a perfect time to take a new job. And so on top of all of this craziness that we've already talked about that happens in those first couple of months, then I was doing two jobs for a while while the transition was going on and then starting this new job, having to interrupt my male predecessor to say, yeah, okay, I know we're in the middle of a training session, but like I need to go pump and just dealing <laughs> with all of that. And so I was a couple months into this new job and I would, I would just come home and I was like, I suck at this job. I'm so bad as a mom. Like I'm not doing anything right. I'm exhausted. Mm. Like, what is this? Like every day I would just come home and just get in this spiral. And so 
the next morning after a particularly rough night, I was in the elevator with one of the managers of my new department. And he just looks at me and he goes, Hey, I haven't had a chance to tell you, like, we're so excited that we hired you and you're doing awesome. And this is just such a great fit. And I just wanted to say, I'm just really impressed with, you know, what you're doing. And you're like, what the hell? And I'm like, me? Like me? (laughs) (laughs) You're talking about me. And then I thought about it and I'm like, okay, nobody at work has told me that I'm not doing enough pre-baby when I transitioned jobs, if I didn't understand something, I would stay two hours later. I would review the material. I would get up to speed faster because I had unlimited time that I could dedicate to my job with the baby and leaving, you know, by a set time for daycare, I wasn't transitioning in the way that I was used to. That doesn't mean that it was bad. But to your mind, you thought, because I'm not doing what I was doing before, I'm not doing enough. Right. I'm not staying late. So I'm not doing enough. I'm not succeeding. And then for them to say, we think you're doing great. I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I'm not, I haven't turned in anything late. I haven't messed anything up. I'm, you know, showing up. And then that fed over into motherhood. Like my husband isn't telling me that I'm a bad mom, like my baby's happy. So then it just kind of put everything into perspective of like, the only person telling me that I'm failing at all of this stuff is myself. And the only reason I feel like I'm failing is because I'm comparing myself to a woman that didn't have a child and that I'm not that person anymore. And so that's kind of what spurred me down this whole identity and like understanding what my career meant and how this pivotal point of having a baby just totally shook up how I view myself and then also my career. Mm -hmm. But that was just huge for me. And I, I still check myself all the time when I get like flustered at work or feel like everything's overwhelming. Why is it overwhelming? Has anybody actually said I missed something or I'm not doing a good enough job? Or am I just holding myself to unrealistic expectations or being negative towards myself? And that saved me so many hours, probably at this point, like weeks and months of mom guilt (laughs) to just like know how to check that and keep it in, in its proper place. There was, I forgot what I was listening to. And the person said, it's the story we tell ourselves, right? And that's all that it is. And that's exactly what you're describing. The story I'm telling myself in this instance is I'm not doing enough. Why? And it could have come from anywhere. Is it because, well, for you in your situation, like you said, it was the identity crisis of, well, I was this person before. I'm no longer that person because now I have a child. I have deeper responsibilities. I have a family now. So my responsibilities have shifted. But for a lot of others, it's comparing to the next mother on Instagram. It's comparing your life to this, this one's doing this, or society's telling me I have to do this. And there's so much with that. So tell me now, where's your identity with your career and motherhood now that you're four years in, how has that shift been? I know for me, it's still a work in progress. I think I'm happier now. Same thing to your point of 
me having to tell myself certain things and really diving deep and saying, okay, where is this stemming from? What's the root of this? What is going on? Where am I feeling fulfilled? How can I fill my cup up and all of those things? I'm in a much better place, but what has that identity been like for you now regarding your career and, and motherhood? Similar to you, I'm in a much healthier space about it. But part of it was once I really just kind of reflected on my identity and realized that like, you know, my career is something that fulfills me and is something that I need to do because I like what I do. And I like feeling part of a team. I like being around adults that just kind of gave me the freedom to stop questioning myself. And then that in turn freed up all of this mental capacity like, I think that the thing that we forget when we're in a negative headspace or we're so consumed with comparison or all of these things, like that takes brain power to think those things. And so if you can figure out a way to work through that and kind of set that aside, then I, then I, it was like, I unlocked the working mom superpower of like, all right, I'm coming to work because I know why I'm coming because this fulfills me. And I want to have a career. I want to have something that I'm building for myself. And then when I get here, I have eight hours to do everything. (laughs) And tomorrow might be a sick day. So what am I going to work on today? That's going to give me the highest impact. Do I need to respond to these emails when they say they're urgent? Like are things actually urgent? And I just, I feel like my prioritization, my time management, everything like went into overdrive because I only had eight hours. You better believe come the end of the day, I am not staying late. I'm getting home to that baby. And then that's mom time. Yeah. And I also learned and then relearned this with COVID too, because that was kind of another (laughs) identity (laughs) crisis. Yes. Like for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's very hard. And I think any working mom in, in the pandemic would say the same to go from like, mom to home in split seconds. And even, you know, pre COVID when I was in the office, if I didn't give myself like a clear transition and I would usually do that, I only have like a 15, 20 minute commute, but I would drive home in silence and I would let everything spin out in my head from the previous day at work. You know, like, I feel like I did good in that presentation. Like, did I, and like, let's reflect and what do I need to do first thing tomorrow? And I would kind of process all of that so that by the time that I got home, it was like, all right, I'm not getting on my phone. I'm not checking emails. I'm not doing any of this stuff because this is dedicated like mom time and giving a clear transition from work to home helped me change those mindsets because you're operating in totally different, I don't know, brain spaces. No, it is. You have yeah. to go from, you have to turn the switch off. And I love that because you're like, how do I recap and kind of like, let it all out and think about it? Because yes, how easy was it if you get home immediately, but you're still thinking about the presentation because you know, it's there, right? You can't just turn that off. That's a very important part of you, but your son is like, mommy, mommy, play with me or mommy, what's this? So I love that, which I can see why then with COVID that was hard because you didn't have that commute and they were there all the time. So you couldn't just turn it on and off. So you had to find other ways to kind of separate. Yep. And it took a long time during COVID too, to figure all of that out. But the thing that, that I've really learned having gone through, you know, having a baby and returning to the office, and then I'm still working from home, but that initial transition from office to home 
is that any major life event is going to shake up our identity for any number of reasons, whether it, you know, changes, you know, if you lose a job, you go from my identity is having this job and now I don't, or you go from COVID where like, okay, I had this working mom thing figured out when I had a separate office that I was going to, how do I manage this and all of the uncertainty and you need to give yourself space and time to figure that out. Like the thing that just reflecting back on COVID that made me initially feel inadequate and everything, which the ultimate thing was comparison, but when everybody was, you know, we were two days into like staying at home and everyone's like, here's my schedule, like time blocked by every 10 minutes for my toddler. And I was like, are we really supposed to be doing this? Like, I can't operate like that. What is this? And all the Pinterest activities and the crafts and this, and I'm like, yeah. And so to expect somebody and ourselves to, you know, overnight have our lives turned upside down and then have a plan right away. Like that's just not realistic. And even with all of the things that we were saying, you know, even if you prepare for, you know, your relationship with your husband, you're returning to the work, you, you still are going to need time to transition into that new role and this new life event or whatever it is, this new identity. And I think that's what COVID taught me that I think I missed because I was doing so much of the reflecting on my identity after the birth of my son and putting the pieces together that COVID made me relive it in real time. And I think it's just that whole, there's going to be a really challenging time until you get into routines or understand what your priorities are and realign your values and your identity and everything. And I think that's the piece that we don't give ourselves a lot of grace on. And one of the things that I keep coming back to is that once you're a parent and and even in life in general before, but I just have felt it more as a parent, like there are some things that are just hard Mm -hmm. and, you know, we're coming up on two years of pandemic life and it's hard. And so you can feel these hard, crazy emotions. And sometimes there's just nothing you can do. You have to just get through the hard. And that was something that I also was not used to doing because pre-baby, if something was hard at work or wasn't right, like if I got passed up for a promotion, you better believe I'm networking harder. I'm beefing up that resume. I'm taking on extra projects. I'm going to control it and I'm going to fix it. And whether it's having a baby or living in a pandemic, you can't fix this. You have to learn how to cope with it and how to sit in uncomfort and, and hard times and just kind of ride it out. And I've never had to experience anything like that until the birth of my son. And then this, (laughs) but it's so true. And gosh, the episode I'm actually dropping tonight, she says something so poignant to what you're saying is like, she has eight kids. Oh gosh. Yes. From like 20 to like two. So we had an amazing conversation and I was so intrigued of how, cause she talks so calm and everything is whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, 
Oh my God, I would be like, what the heck? <laughs> but she was talking so poignant, just exactly what you were saying of saying like, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to remove your expectations and be in that moment and say, look, mm -hmm. what expectation am I setting? What unrealistic expectation am I setting for myself right now? This is the season that I'm in and this is what I can do. I have to give myself grace, be in it. If there's nothing I can't do, then I have to accept that until there is something I can do about it, you know, mm -hmm. and there is power in that. To your point, I think a lot of us learn that, or maybe some of us haven't learned that, but I think in maybe, you know, in a roundabout way of like, ultimately that's what it was. We could not control this. So we had to figure out ways. Okay. We can't get out. All right. Well then maybe you walk around your neighborhood or you, you know, you just, you adapt and you find ways to say, what can I do since I can't control it? So that's so poignant. Mm -hmm. And gosh, you and I, it's, it's like, you're talking and I'm like, oh. <laughs> no, it's a lot of what you're saying is a lot of what I experienced and, and the realizations of certain things. And I can tell you know, again, your son is four, that it's taken some growth and time and whether it's reading. And I, I know for me, this podcast has been everything because of I learned from every single person that I have a yeah, conversation absolutely. with. And a lot of times I think I'm learning in it. And then, I mean, as we're having the conversation and it's not until I go back and listen to it after the editing that I'm like, oh, I forgot we talked about that. And oh mm -hmm. my God. And, and I'm, I know you feel the same way. It has to be because how can you not? Now let's jump into your podcast. Yeah. What was your inspiration for me? My inspiration, like I said earlier, I, I had something to say and I, I just was like, I want to start a podcast. Had no idea what to do how to do it. My husband's friend had a podcast and he was like, buy a microphone, use, get this editing software to kind of upload and edit and then a hosting site. And that was it. And I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. And I, I went from there. So tell me what was your inspiration? What was that process like? I kind of spent the first year of motherhood figuring this all out. Once I, I actually listened to a, a podcast that talked about the identity shift of motherhood. And it, it wasn't specifically talking about corporate working moms, but it was just talking about motherhood in general. And once I heard that term identity shift, I was like, oh my God, that's what's happened to me. This is normal. And then put this identity shift on a career and like it, it just all clicked in that moment. And so then once I had like a term to talk to people about, I was talking to anybody, like everybody at work. If you had a 30 year old son, I was like, Hey, so do you remember like 30 years ago when you came back to the office? Like, do you think you had an identity shift? And like, I just had this term that people could relate to. And it sparked all of this conversation. Then I was also comparing that to, you know, I came back from maternity leave thinking I'm the only person that can't manage this. And all these other women have gone on leaves and come back. And then to have this term to talk about with them and realize that they were experiencing the same thing. You just don't talk about it. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> if somebody would have just said like, Hey, you're going to be a different person. Yeah. That would have been huge to just have that <laughs> on my radar. Like I was so naive. So then, you know, I had all of these great conversations with people and some, sometimes they would end, you know, with my friends and we'd be like, dang, that should have been a podcast episode. And so I actually, I did a big project at work where I <laughs> recorded doing like a voiceover training. So I got really comfortable listening to myself talk, which was really painful <laughs> to start and I was making jokes at, at the office too of like, yeah, well, I'm basically like recording a podcast for all this training stuff. And then I got 
to a point where I was just kind of looking for some, like a hobby and some creative outlet. And I was like, I can tell this is, you know, an area in my life where I need some type of outlet. I was like, I should just start this podcast. Like we keep talking about how there needs to be a a working mom podcast that's geared towards women in corporate because there, there were some, there are so many more now. And I'm so excited that the space is full of working mom podcasts. But at the time it was really just like bloggers that had started a podcast. And so they were talking about, oh, you know, when your kids nap, then time block the two hours and work then. And I'm like, okay, but I'm I'm working for the man and he's telling me I got to be here all the time. And then I get a daycare call and I have to leave. Like, what do I do then? So I wanted it to be very specific to kind of the, the corporate or your traditional, like outside of the home working mom. And to what you were saying too, I just started recording stuff that I wish people would have said. And I basically make the podcast that I would want to listen to. And I do every guest that I have on is somebody that I want to talk to and I want to learn from. And it's been just really amazing to continue, you know, I don't know if I call it like motherhood development, career development, personal development, like it's kind of all been wrapped into one thing through this podcast with all of the different guests. But I basically just think like, okay, would this conversation help me right now? Is this relevant to something that I'm going through or I know other, you know, corporate career moms are going through and that's just my gauge for everything. I love it. What season are you in? What episode number are you in? Well, I'm kind of in season three. I've I don't really have like a clear plan of what I'm doing. I'm trying to get more structured in it, but I threw myself into it during COVID because there's nothing else to do. And then got six months into releasing episodes every week. And I was like, I can't keep up with this. So I just started re-releasing episodes last week, actually. So it would technically be my season three. I've taken three different longer breaks, but I have 60 episodes and a lot more planned. It's exciting. I mean, I would, I literally thought when I started it that a few people at work that I would tell about it and my mom would be the only people that would listen, you know? So it's been amazing to just connect with so many different women and then have people, you know, send emails or messages that are like, oh my gosh, you read my mind. You're talking to me to just know There's so many women out there that just need the validation of we're all going through the same thing. Some of the topics, you know, you can't really talk about in your own workplace. So to have a place where women can hear like, okay, it's like that at another company or with another person. I just think the validation is huge to, to make the working motherhood experience a little less isolating. Well, it's like what you just said before you were like, you know, how did I not know that these other women who I worked with we're also basically suffering in silence, right? How do we not know this? Because it would have made it so much easier, would have put so many things in perspective. 
And I think that's what we're trying to do here. I think, you know, is like say that. So if, if it resonates with one person, it's like, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, for me, I started in 2019, but same thing. It was very overwhelming. I didn't realize how overwhelming it was to, to keep up with it and comparing myself with others and trying to figure out where I fit and what I was going to do and reaching out to get guests. And same, I, I didn't probably go full force, even though I started in November of 2019. I didn't really dive into it until COVID. You know, mm-hmm. same thing. I had a little bit more time and I could put a plan together clearly. I switched from Skype to Zoom and now there's so many other platforms. I have Riverside FM that I'm probably going to use for my next session, which is like a virtual studio. Yeah, it's like a Zencaster. Have you heard of Zencaster? Yeah, that's what I use. Yep. Okay, yeah, similar. So there's like so many things which are awesome that have just like come up from, from everywhere. But yeah, it wasn't until COVID that I really spent the time to say, okay, if I'm going to do this, then, you know, let me, let me do it the right way. Do you know what your most downloaded episode is? What's been your favorite episode you've done so far? Yeah. So two episodes that kind of flip flop back and forth for the most. One is my first episode that I released, which is basically just me talking about my identity crisis. So I don't know if that's just the most downloaded because it was the first or <laughs> same thing for mine. Same thing for mine. My sister, it was my sister and I talking about her, her, her home births, her birth story. And it's the most, oh, yeah. it's the most downloaded. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second is talking about the mental load of motherhood. And just, I mean, again, another thing I was not prepared for, like, you know, you, you have a baby shower and you see all of the clothes and the things that you're getting. So it's like, I knew a baby came with a lot of stuff. I didn't know that a baby came with so much stuff that was going to consume my mind. How do you get your arms around that? So that's, that's another really popular one. And then I did the third most downloaded is I did an episode a couple weeks after COVID hit with a parenting expert talking about COVID-19 and how to set up boundaries like with your work or your partner or your, even your children to kind of survive the intense lockdown period, you know, that we were in at the time. And that one's been been really popular too. And even though it relates to the beginning of the pandemic, I refer back to that episode all the time. You know, how do you truly set up a boundary? And a lot of that, like we've touched on several times, just also comes back to expectations. You have to have the conversation of what is actually expected of me right now. And can I deliver that? And if not, then there needs to be another conversation, whether that's with your partner or your children, if they're older, or most importantly, where that comes in for me is with my employer. For sure. I think it's even the expectations we have on our partners. Like you were saying about yours, I had to have the same realization with my husband. I can do 50 million things and and be an okay pace, you know, without getting stressed. My husband cannot. He's very run track mind. He has to finish one task before he can move to the next, before he can move to the next. So even though we might have something unfinished here, he's like, nope, I can't jump to that into this. And I'm like, where me, I'm like, okay, let's take a day. I want to do this, 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 this. And it took a long time for me to be like that. I have to, I can't have those expectations of him. Same thing for my son, right? He's only four. There's certain expectations. Yes. He talks to me like he's like four going on 10, but he's really just only almost four. I know. Sometimes I think we put these expectations that they should know more. They should know better than that. So yeah, expectations. That's, I think that's a, that's a running theme. And we, we have to be able to kind of really look and be honest with ourselves and be like, can we look back at this? Let's do a bird's eye view. Let's 
let's relax for a second. I love that. So let's let's kind of jump into what do you do because you have a lot going on to relax and unwind for the day. Do you have a morning or evening routine? And what does that look like for you? I relax with alone time. <laughs> I'm very extroverted and like talking to people, but it drains my energy really quick. And so I recharge by quiet alone time. So part of my evening routine is I go to bed shortly after my son does. And so I'm like usually in bed by nine o'clock. Oh, well, so you're not one of those moms that are like, my son's, my child's asleep. So let me get everything crammed in at night. No, no, I can't. It it's like, by the time he goes to bed, I'm so overstimulated that I can't, I can't take anything else in. So I retreat to my bedroom. My husband and I go to bed hours apart. He's the like, I'll say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I get my alone time watching all my shows. So I go like get ready for bed super early. And then some days I read (laughs) some days it's only a page and I crash some days, you know, I'm in my bed alone for half hour, hour reading a book, but that's kind of how I come down from everything that's gone on in the day. And then I don't have like a very structured morning routine. My son is still a pretty early riser and he varies greatly. So it's like one morning he's up at five 30, the next he's up at seven. And with COVID, the beauty of that is if he needs to sleep in, he sleeps in. We don't have a time that we need to necessarily be out the door. And it's definitely not as early as it was when I was trying to get into the office. And I usually wake up around 530 regardless. The first thing I do is make a cup of coffee. But then if there's some time before he wakes up, that's where I try to get in some podcast time. I'll sit and edit something or put together some material until he wakes up. It's not very structured because some days it's two minutes and I don't get anything done. Some days it's an hour and a half. So that's kind of where I try to to sneak in that time. And then we go to daycare. Okay. So he's back in school. He's back in daycare. Yep. He's in a daycare. Yeah. Yeah, same with my little guy. They opened up in June actually of last year. And that was another thing. I remember having guilt for that because I'm like, I'm like, I can't, like, I don't know how moms do this for long periods. I'm just not that mom. Like I'm not that crafty mom. I mean, I loved spending time with him and it was amazing to have like a couple months, but I was like, I'm just not, you know, it just is what it is, that realization. And I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to be that like Pinterest mom and to do this. And we should, like you said, we should time block and we should have our day spent. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm so overwhelmed right now. I don't know where to begin. So do you have anything else exciting going on that you'd like to share? I know you said that you have some cool things coming up. You're going on your, you're in your 60th episode or so. Is there anything? I know you started your website. Yes. I launched that. Yes. I did. I'm never building a website (laughs) again. It was not my favorite experience, but Google can teach you anything is, is what this podcast and website building has taught me. Yeah. I just, I have some exciting guests coming on and outside of that, I'm just going to try to keep the podcast, (laughs) keep it going as much as I can. I'm doing more stuff kind of internally with myself and how I'm scheduling everything so that I don't burn myself out. And that's 
taking more regular breaks and planning things out a little bit better to align with how now that I've done it for two years, you know, I can kind of tell when it's nice outside, the motivation to be inside on a computer again is not really there. So I'm kind of trying to plan a little bit more seasonally for everything, but really outside of that, I'm just having to remind myself that this is a hobby and I want to keep it fun at this point, you know, I'm not turning it into a business. I'm not trying to leave my corporate job. And that's the thing that when I start comparing myself or my podcast, that's where it's, you know, people are like, well, are you making money off of it? Or you could monetize it or you could whatever. And it's like, yeah, I could, but I also like, don't want this to be consuming all of my waking hours outside of my already full-time job. So that's something that I'm just kind of working through personally of, you know, how do I keep this fun and something that is enjoyable, but yet still meaningful to the people that, that are listening. That's so important and so real. Cause I think a lot of people struggle with that and whatever it is, you know, podcasts, if it's something that you're interested in or something and teetering on that and you just being honest, being like, yeah, okay. Everyone's like, aren't you going to do this next? It's like, and it's like, well, can I just enjoy being a podcast host and having these conversations put out there for right now? And I love the idea of doing it seasonally because yeah, to your point, it can get overwhelming. Like I'm a podcast host. So I get it. And thinking of the guests and this and that, but I like how you're thinking of kind of like, okay, now that I'm in same thing for me, I I had to set boundaries of when my recording time was, I was like, kind of just, I want to record, record. And I was like, okay, well, like relax, you know, set boundaries. I I think there was one day I had recorded two in the same day. I was like, I'll never do that again. I was so mentally exhausted, even though I love talking to people, but I was just drained. So yeah, so I'm, I'm with you on all of that. Okay. Let's get into my quick get to know what is your favorite book? Okay. So this was really hard because for the most part, I like the book that I just finished because I'm like still excited about it. So the book that I just finished that I loved was A Man Called Ove. But if I had to like look back on my reading career, I would have <laughs> to say like the Harry Potter books. Really? So those came out at a time where like I was waiting in line for those books and like reading them like all throughout the night. And so I think favorite books those would have to be. And then I've reread them as as an adult and I still like love them. So I love um, it. That's classic. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a a secret Harry Potter fan. (laughs) I love, do you have a favorite movie or a current show that you're binge watching? I really loved Mad Men when it was on. So, and I've rewatched some of that and like, it's still, it's still so good. So I think all time, that's my favorite same with books like just default to what I just got watching and I just finished that Lula Rich documentary oh I heard that's a crazy documentary yeah it was way more crazy than I thought so I can't I can't stop thinking about that so that that's pretty good too so check it out and that one's only four episodes so you can get through it pretty quick what's the favorite item in your home we just went through a 12-week kitchen renovation (laughs) it looks amazing by the way so my kitchen island is so worth all of the dust and the chaos and stress that we just went through. And so I'm obsessed with that kitchen island. I love it. Gosh, I'm telling you, we, you and I are like kindred spirits because <laughs> we have a, a large kitchen and an island would fit beautifully. And my husband knows that that is my dream, that one of these days yes. when we do a renovation, I want my island. So I am with you. I know you were saying your family is what, about six hours away. Yep. And I, we didn't speak on that. And I know that's a whole nother thing, but who does make up your village now? You know, how do you and your husband like make that time? Like, who can you call? We've got 
a handful of just really solid friends. And fortunately, one of them is our neighbors. And we we actually lived next to them for, I mean, five or six years. And it was through COVID that we just really got to know them. And they now in, I mean, considering we've only really known them for a year and a half, they are the people that I would call in the middle of the night, come over, help, whatever, which up until recently, we didn't have, we didn't have that type of person in our village. And so that's been huge, but we, we have a handful of really good friends that we can rely on. And that was kind of another thing. Like once we had our son that we had to have conversations with those friends of like, Hey, (laughs) will you be our emergency contact on the daycare form? And it kind of got it out there of like, we're in this together. Like I'm, I will be your emergency contact. Cause a lot of them also don't have family why we are, I think closer because we kind of just relate on a different parent level. We've got a couple of, of people that also don't have family in the area that we rely very heavily on. And then we also show up for them when they need things as well. I love that. I love how you found that in your neighbor. I think it's so important. I think we were losing sight of that. And I say we, because I think in general, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I don't talk to my neighbors. And we got introduced to our neighbors again during COVID. And, you know, all these kids came out of the woodwork. And I'm like, oh, God, I remember growing up like this. So that's, that's beautiful. If you could travel anywhere in the world right now, where would it be? This was really hard. We were supposed to go to Italy in April of 2020. So that obviously didn't happen. I would do that trip, especially because I literally had it like planned to the hour. (laughs) So I know exactly (laughs) what we would do. And we've been there once before. I just, I love Italy. Another place that's always been on my list is Ireland or really anywhere like in South America. I haven't, I haven't been to South America. I'm telling you, kindred kindred spirits, my favorite place in the world is Italy. We went to Tuscany in 2015 and my husband knew like if, if they would have said, could you live here right now? I would have been like, oh yeah. Hi mom and dad. Like, bye. It was the most magical place. And yes, I am dying to go to Ireland and Scotland. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Hey, when, when you go, let me know. I'll come. What has motherhood taught you? Oh my gosh. That I am constantly evolving to be a better person for my son. And that I can, that there's, you know, I never thought I would be in the place that I am today and he's driven me to this. And so I can't even imagine where I can go and what I can do and the example that I can set for him. That's beautiful. Any other final words to the podcast world? Whatever you are going through, you are absolutely not alone. And I hope that either this conversation or any others on either your or my podcast provides validation for whatever someone's going through. And if you feel like you're alone, just be vulnerable to somebody, open up to somebody. I think that's part of, you know, we're all trying to live this perfect life. And part of that means we're not talking about this stuff that is hard. And, and I think that's what's actually what connects us more and unites us more. And so just be a little vulnerable and start some of those conversations or share a story with someone, because I think that's what we all just really need and, and want to hear from each other is some authentic connection and conversation. I love it. Jenny, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure. I'm so happy we got a chance to connect. Like I said, I know we're part of, you know, this little IG group that we have. 
of other amazing mamas, but it was nice to connect with you on here. So thank you so much. And um, we'll talk soon. Yeah, this was great. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me this week on the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, NGC Consulting, where you can find them at NicoleGConsulting.com. For more motherhood resources, check out TheMotherhoodVillage.com. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you'll never miss an episode. And if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or recommendation to a friend works too. And join us next time for another amazing conversation. Continued blessings to you all for love and light.